Because sin is that serious. If you get diagnosed with a very serious disease, you take that seriously. And the most serious disease that humanity has is the disease of a sin nature, a life against rebellion against God. And we need to do everything that God asks of us to do battle against that because life and death hangs in the balance for all of us. We fear people, situations, weather, but how often have you considered your fear of God? As you'll hear Pastor Daniel share today, you don't want to break God's heart. He is the only one who promises us life. Without Him, you're lost. While Moses was away, Aaron feared the people and in doing so allowed them to fall away from God. Consider who has the true authority. Now here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message entitled, The Golden Calf. If Obadiah, my son, comes into the house and makes a beeline for the pantry, I mean, he's my son, you know. I might keep him away from my Twinkie stash, but, you know, it's like he's allowed in there, right? But if Obadiah comes and makes a beeline into your house, you might be like, hey, who's this kid in my pantry eating my ding-dongs? It's inappropriate, right? And that's why I'm here to tell you, listen, God wants you to be able to seek him, talk to him, and pray based on his character. He wants that. And he wants that so much. He sent him who was the most precious to him, his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, a death he didn't deserve for you and for me. And all you need to do is say, yes, Lord, and simply respond to Jesus and say, God, I was doing my own thing. I want to be part of your family. I want, I want access to all that you are for me in Christ. I don't even know what that means, but I want to be in. And then guess what, man? You have free dibs on the fridge. You do. You have a house key. There's a bed set up there. There's a place at the table for you. But don't think you cannot be part of the family and get into the house. But God, listen, no matter what you've done, he's placed an open door for you. You just have to say yes. It's not like God saying, look, I want you to click your heels three times, spin around and say, I wish I was home. I wish I was home. I wish I was home. And then maybe if you're lucky, you'll get in. He simply sent Jesus 2,000 years ago, a fixed point in history, historically verifiable. He came. He lived the perfect life. He died. He rose again for you. And all you have to do is just say, Lord, I please, Lord, I want it. I want it. I want to be in. And it doesn't matter what you've done. You might be saying, well, why would God want me in in his family? I've totally screwed everything up. Listen, we've all totally screwed everything up. God doesn't let you in because you're good enough. God lets you in because he loves you that much. It doesn't matter what you've done. Listen, I know there's some here right now, you're listening online, you're like, I can't go there. I've done too much wrong. Listen, at the cross, he dealt with everything. No matter how many abortions, 
no matter how many marriages, no matter how deep, how deep the wake of hurt people is behind you, if you come to Jesus, you will be forgiven by God. And then God will give you the grace to start to go back to people and say, listen, I've been a royal knucklehead and I am so sorry. And if there's any way in your heart you can find to forgive me, I would be totally humbled. But if you didn't, I would completely understand. But God is doing a work in my life and I have completely wronged you. And I'm sorry. But you have access to the house by saying yes to Jesus. He is the door of the sheepfold. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by him. And if you do, then you can come to him and say, Lord, you need to do a work here because this is who you are. Now, verse 15. Look at what happens. So Moses turned and went down from the mountain, and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides, on the one side and on the other side, they were written. Now, the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. Verse 17, and when Joshua heard the noise of the people and they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. So Moses is traveling down. He has these two blocks of stone, tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments on it. Right? And he's coming down. And somewhere on the descent down, he meets with Joshua. Joshua is Moses' apprentice. We're going to find that Moses allowed Joshua along for the ride. And Joshua ended up became the, the next leader of the children of Israel. And you know, when I see these things, I can't miss but say, who are you pouring into? Who have you brought under your wing and say, look, I'm going to do this. You're going to watch. We're going to talk about it. Because what's cool is you're going to find that eventually Joshua's doing all sorts of things. And Moses is watching Joshua do things. And Joshua ends up doing more than Moses ever could do. Because Moses was self-giving. And I believe that every believer should not only have a Paul who's pouring into them, but should have a Timothy who they're downloading into. And brothers and sisters, listen, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that everywhere... Everywhere in this world, there are people who you can pour into no matter where you are in your life. You know, I may say, hey, I've been a Christian for two days. Well, there's been a lot of people who've never been Christian for one minute. Let people pour into you and pour that thing out. Joshua, for 40 days, was hanging out somewhere waiting for Moses. I always wish there was like, I wonder what was going on in Joshua's life at that time. As he's like, God, you know, I know Moses is with you right now, but I'd like a little time with you, Lord. I mean, who knows what he said? Who knows what he did? But he's catching the ministry from Moses. He's watching Moses with the Lord, and he's learning and growing and being cared for and discipled in the process. So they come down, and Joshua's like, dude, I, I hear the noise of war. And Moses is like, that's not war, you hear, or victory. They're singing. And look at what happens. Verse 19. And so it was, as soon as he came near the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf, which they had made, burned it in the fire and ground it to powder, and he scattered it on the waters and made the children of Israel drink it. Now... This happens really quick, right? You almost feel the pace of the narrative picking up where they hit the base of the mountain, 
Moses gets upset. He breaks, he breaks these tablets. And it's a symbolic gesture where it's saying, he's saying, look, you broke the covenant. It's like ripping up a contract. That's what he did. He breaks it down. What does he do? He takes the, the, the golden calf and he burns it. So it's probably made of wood with gold around it. If you heat up gold, it becomes a liquid. He takes it, he grabs it to powder. He puts it in the water. He makes them drink it. Now, this isn't some sort of crazy Near Eastern Israeli punishment. The idea was by making, making it part of the water supply, eventually they would ingest it and it would go through their bodies. It would be let out as waste, which is exactly what an idol was. Which is exactly what an idol was. And so... All this goes on. He totally is upset with the people. He's angry with the people. He destroys this. Now, in verse 21, look at what happens. It says, And Moses said to Aaron, Why did this people do to you, or what did they do to you, that you have brought so great a sin upon them? So notice, Moses goes to Aaron because Aaron is one of the leaders. Aaron was left in charge while Moses was on time. What did the people do to you? What went on? And what's interesting, Aaron pulls an Adam. He starts blaming other people. Instead of owning his own thing, Aaron pulls an Adam. Remember when they sinned, Adam blamed his wife. His wife blamed the serpent. And as I like to say, there was no one else there, so the serpent was left with the hot potato. They played the blame game. And don't we, we all like the blame game, don't we? We all like to say, it's not my fault, it's their fault. And that's exactly what Aaron does. He doesn't own it. He just pulls an Adam. He plays the blame game. He says, look at verse 22. Do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. For they said to me, make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of Egypt, verse 23, to, out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. And so they gave it to me and I cast it in the fire and this calf came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is high comedy here. I mean, Aaron just runs, you know, you know what happens when you're busted and you're not owning it? You just make up some cockamamie story. Isn't that what we all do? Isn't that why when we get caught for doing something, we make up a lie, and then the lie gets worse and worse and worse to the point where if someone's even thinking about what you're saying, you're like, that's so not true. He's like, listen, you, you know the people. You know their heart's bent on evil. And they were bugging me. Make us gods. And so I said, give me your earrings. I took their earrings, I put them in the fire, and it came out a perfectly formed calf. You know, it's like, you could have respected Aaron. He'd be like, yeah, you know, that was really stupid, Moses. Like, yeah, it's like the people wanted. I should have just said no. But I feared the people more than I feared the Lord. Aaron feared the people more than he feared the Lord. And that is why Jesus said, do not fear him who can only kill the body, but fear him who can kill the body and cast the soul into hell fire. The reason oftentimes we allow ourselves to rebel against God is because we don't fear him. And now people always say, why would I want to fear God? You tell me God's a God of love. You should fear breaking God's heart at the very least. 
And, and listen, you husbands, you should fear breaking your wife's heart. Wives, you should fear breaking your husband's hearts. Parents, you should fear breaking your kids' hearts. You fear that because you love them. You're like, look, I love you. I don't want you to be hurt by me. At the very least, we should fear breaking someone's heart. And quite honestly with the Lord, we all fear authority anyway. I've used the example a million times. It's the best example. What happens when you're driving down the street, going the speed limit, and you look in your rearview mirror and there's a white car with lights on top? What happens? You white knuckle the steering wheel, right? You jam on the brake, even though you're going the speed limit. Everybody does that, right? And then after you do it, you try and play cool because you're like, I just jammed on my brakes and the cop's nose and I'm busted. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You get all cool in your, in your seat. You're like, as if the cop is sitting next to you trying to watch you like smooth over your own freak out moment. Why do you freak out? Even if you're going the speed limit, the lights are on, the car's in good working order. Why do you freak out? Because you know that that cop has the authority by law to make your life a little challenging. And you never quite know if the guy in the police car is, is a small guy who just has a badge who really wants to be a tough guy. How many, you guys ever get pulled over by one of those people? That's no fun. I always envy women at that because you can cry and a lot of times you can get off. But if you're a guy and the guy just wants to give you a hard time because he's got a badge, you start crying. He's like, oh, crying, eh? <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I love our law enforcement officers. But that doesn't matter how well I'm driving. When a cop's behind me, I just get nervous. I don't want a ticket. I don't want the points on my, the, the fine, the insurance cost, the whole thing. It's bad. And then the shame of like, you guys pulling out of church and there's Pastor Daniel pulled over on the side of the road. <laughs> and I know you guys see me pulled over and you're like, he's probably sharing the gospel. And I'm like, please don't give me a ticket, please. <laughs> Can we just pull into Cameo Cafe, please? And we fear the authority that they have and how much more authority does the true and living God to whom our lives are naked and open. And we should fear that that God who sees everything sees us in rebellion because he can judge us with perfect judgment. But Aaron, man, he just plays Adam, man. He says, excuses, excuses, excuses. I, I always love a John Wooden, the great basketball coach man who loved the Lord, he would tell all of, his, all of his teams, no whining, no complaining, and no excuses. And I know all of you can go home, write that down, and stick it around your house, right? No whining, no complaining, no excuses. Aaron here is just making excuses. He's just saying, man, totally messed up. So look at what happens, verse 25. It says, now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. Verse 27, he said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from the entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of, the, of Moses. And about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, that he may bestow on you a blessing this day. For every man has opposed his son and his brother. <laughs> 
Now, this is decision time. Moses lays down a line of demarcation. He's saying, look, everyone, you have to choose today who you're going to serve. Now, we know that everyone didn't get killed. It'd be really easy to read that and say, oh, they're supposed to kill everybody. This is only 3,000 people died. So it's as if what happened was the sons of Levi said, I am with the Lord. I am with Moses. And they said, look, everyone who wants to worship the golden calf, it's decision time. Now, I know some of you are thinking, I mean, this is just horrible. I mean, they're, they're getting killed for worshiping a golden calf. And it is horrible, isn't it? What are the wages of sin? Death. What is sin? It's any slight derivation from perfection. One slight degree. 99.9% perfect is still 0.1% wrong. And for that 0.1%, only by God's mercy, only by God's mercy are we not consumed. That's what the Bible teaches. So I realize that when we read this, we're like, wow, that is really harsh. But don't forget that because of sin, God's own perfect son died a vicious death on the cross. Don't forget that. People say, God in the Old Testament is so mean. God in the New Testament is so graceful. Well, no, God's equally gracious and hating of sin in both gospels. Same God. The only difference is in the New Testament, Jesus gets it in our place. And in the Old Testament, and there's places in the New Testament like Ananias and Sapphira where they drop dead for lying in the early church. Could you imagine if that happened today? We'd all be doing each other's funerals. I mean, let's be honest. If God meted out just judgment right at the moment that we made a mistake, we'd all be gone. And the fact that we're all still here is proof of God's mercy and his grace in our lives. But when we see these stark examples, we realize how deplorable sin really is. How serious we should take it. And let's be honest. If sin was punishable this way in church, churches would be a lot smaller and there'd be a lot less garbage that goes on. Isn't it true? Now, I'm grateful that this isn't happening. But that is the wages of sin. And we we should never shy away from that reality. Because sin is that serious. If you get diagnosed with a very serious disease, you take that seriously. And the most serious disease that humanity has is the disease of a sin nature, a life against rebellion against God. And we need to do everything that God asks of us to do battle against that because life and death hangs in the balance for all of us. That's the gospel. That's the reality of what we learn from our Lord Jesus Christ. Now in verse 30, Look at what it says, and we'll close out this chapter. It says, So it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, so now I'll go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. Verse 33, And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Now therefore go, lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf 
which Aaron made. Now, Moses goes and intercedes again. And notice Moses' intercession is like, Lord, if you'll forgive them, take me for them. That's what he says. Blot my name out of the book, Lord. He offers himself as a substitute for them. And the Lord says, no, Moses. Each person is responsible for their own sin. Now, why does he do that? Because Moses wasn't acceptable in the place of the people. He wasn't. But you and I know that some 1,500 years later, God's going to send himself, his own son, who is acceptable. But think about this. Each person bears the brunt of their own transgression. So I know that there's some of you in here, you're carrying around the sins of your parents. And I'm here to tell you that they are responsible for their own. Now, don't get me wrong. Oftentimes in our sinfulness, we can pass that stuff along. Some people like to call that generational curses. I don't believe in generational curses because I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that if your dad was mean and nasty, you don't have to be because Jesus will save you and change you. If your parents were divorced, doesn't mean you're going to have to get a divorce. You choose that yourself. Jesus Christ cuts the knees out of generational curses. But each one is responsible for our own struggles, our own transgressions. And I want to encourage you, because listen, oftentimes, don't we feel like we're really responsible for someone else's transgressions? Like we feel like we need to help them with their stuff. And we're like, hey man, you got some specks in your eyes. And the Lord's like, hey, you got a lumber yard. Deal with your lumber yard. Yeah, they got some specks. They got some stuff to deal with. You deal with the lumber yard. Each person is responsible. Moses wants to be the substitute. And the Lord's just like, no, 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 no. And Next week, we'll start talking more about this angel who's going to come because it plays all into what we're going to see in Exodus 33. So a closing reminder. Moses is doing a great job mediating for the people to God. And don't ever forget, Moses was a type, a picture of a new and better mediator. The mediator who God would accept in the place of the judgment of the people. And the Christian message has always been and will always be that God loved you enough to send Jesus in your place. And Jesus, in his resurrected reality, is always mediating for you, ever lives to make intercession to the Father on our behalf. Brother, sister, who are in Christ today, you have an advocate with the Father. Jesus stands and intercedes for you to his Father without let up. And if you're here today, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. You need to be a Christian. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus. You need to allow God to adopt you into his family. You need to say, okay, I'm, I'm good with this adoption, Lord. Yeah, I was an emancipated minor. Now I'm in. I want the family name. I want the family inheritance. And if you do that, if you do that, even here tonight at your computer at home, Wherever you're listening to, if you do that right now, then God will take your name and write it in the book of life. Jesus is The meaning of life is a question as old as the stars. People have been asking this question for thousands of years, and yet the answer is all around us. To understand the meaning and purpose of life, 
you must have a personal relationship with Jesus. And then God will open the doors for you to walk with him and serve him. There are at least two things that every Christian should be doing. First, worshiping God with everything they have and are. And second, telling other people about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is real. I realize that worshiping God is easier than telling other people about it. There's no condemnation. It can be scary, but each one of us has unique roles to play. And one of the things you can do to help get the gospel out is to partner with somebody who wants to tell them. Now listen, I want you to pray about partnering with Jesus' Real Radio to get the gospel out over the radio airwaves. I believe that God has called me to proclaim the gospel, and I am a radio missionary. God wants to tell the entire world that Jesus is real. So I'm asking you to seek the Lord about partnering with us here at Jesus' Real Radio in this missionary endeavor. With your help, we will continue to expand and reach the nations with the message that Jesus is real. Here is Josh with information you need to partner with us in this missionary work. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Yes, we do ask that you pray about partnering with us here at Jesus is Real. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the Partner option from the main menu. There you can give a one-time gift or support Jesus Is Real Radio on a monthly basis. Again, to support Jesus Is Real Radio, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. And don't forget to join us next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through God's Word right here on Jesus Is Real Radio. Jesus is